Welcome to the Week 8 Sit Start Podcast. I am Eric Smith. I am joined by Ryan Heath, fresh off of, it wasn't even a week off, Ryan. You just missed out on the What We Saw Sunday Night Podcast. But welcome back. How have you been? Uh, all the running backs have been traded and injured since you left. So um, I hope you're ready for this podcast. Yeah, I've been great. Uh, I spent the weekend hiking and exploring out in Oregon and kind of staying disconnected from football. But my only real engagement with it uh, the on Sunday was just getting every injury notification from the sleeper app. Uh, it, yeah, all my players are hurt and I, I don't know what to do. Well, I do now. It, I had to catch up on Monday. That was that was the big uh, that was the big grind to figure out what even happened. Yeah, I really enjoyed my Monday going through and really figuring out how many teams I had Brees Hall on. So that was just a, a wonderful experience. I think I'm still 32nd overall in Scott Fishbowl. I'm now without Javante Williams and Brees Hall. So it's going to get a little interesting here. But, you know, I've got Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So maybe I can still squeak into uh, a decent finish in Scott Fishbowl. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big topic today. We're going to go through a bunch of these backfields, uh, shake out, you know, situations where players have been traded, uh, injuries, all kinds of stuff. But let's start out. Uh, part of the the reason these backfields are getting confusing is because of the trade deadline approaching. Um, it is approaching on Tuesday, November 1st. The NFL actually kind of makes trades now. So it's kind of a new wrinkle over the past few years. And uh, we wanted to talk about some potential stashes ahead of the trade deadline. So uh, there were really just a couple big ones that came to mind for me, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to start first with Kyron Williams for the Los Angeles Rams. He's 37% rostered on Yahoo. I've been very skeptical about Kyron Williams. Like we've been hearing this hype from him all off season. You know, he's a, a later drafted rookie. He's been injured. He hasn't even stepped on the field yet, but we keep hearing this hype from Sean McVay and the coaching staff that they have a big role for Kyron Williams. So I, I do think he is worth stashing just because at this point, the drum beats like pretty strong. We should probably listen to it. Cam Akers is on the trade block. I think Kyron Williams is worth a spot on your roster heading into this weekend just to see what shakes out with the Rams. So uh, I still have a little bit of hope that maybe this offense figures it out and I think he could benefit. So do you have any opinions on this Rams backfield? Yeah, I mean, Williams is worth a spot just because he could be walking into some volume. And this late in the season, we want to roster anybody that that applies to. Um, but yeah, I, it's just hard to be all that optimistic just with the state of this Rams rushing attack. And also Kyron Williams himself, like, I just don't see where the hype is coming from. Like, he he was an under 200-pound running back ran like a four, six, nine at his pro day. He, he ran so slow that my computer started lagging when I Googled his 40 time like that. That's how just unathletic and uninspiring he is. He is at least at first glance to me. So it, it's true that Sean McVay uh, hates Daryl Henderson and does not want to make him a bell cow, uh, which was why is why all this came can maker stuff is particularly surprising to me. But yeah, I, I mean, you, I guess Williams has to be on rosters, but I'm, I'm not like, I'm not thinking he's going to save my season. Yeah, agreed. Like I said, I am skeptical. Fifth round rookie, barely played. Um, his calling card, I guess, is his 12.5% uh, college target share. It's just the Rams aren't really using their running backs that way anymore. So I'm not sure why they would have just been saving this passing game role for Kyron, but I do, you know, it's running back. It's rough at this point in the season. So if you have a spot to burn ahead of Sunday kickoffs, I think you could drop someone, pick them up and just see what happens. But uh, Cam Akers is all the way down to 45% rostered, which is relatively shocking. I thought the name value alone might keep him up to like 75%. Like, is it worth stashing Cam Akers in case he gets dropped on a 
good offense. I mean, I can't even think of a situation where we'd get all that excited about Cam Akers. Yeah, what good offense, I think, is the problem. <laughs> like, the I, the James Robinson just got the dream of, mm-hmm. of just going to an offense that has a bunch of touches opening up, but I, I'm not excited about James Robinson, and he's shown more than Cam Akers has this year. Like, yeah, it, it's hard to imagine Cam Akers being productive at all this year, pretty much wherever he goes. Like, I even even if he goes to one of these, like, supercharged offenses without much – backfield competition like the chiefs or something like you're you're not excited about cam Akers in a three or a four-way committee on on the kansas city chiefs so yeah i just, I just can't even like dreamcast a situation where i want him on my roster yeah i think i think he's a clear drop in redraft all right people would get excited about him on the chiefs and we would have to fight that for like three weeks but let's hope that doesn't happen uh yeah kind of crazy world i guess if you were stashing acres we're hoping there is no trade and he somehow just uh kind of <laughs> i don't know they they just kind of make up and he, he goes back to the rams like that's the only outcome i think for acres that really makes him fantasy relevant so if he stays on the team and gets a little boost back in the step so um another one i wanted to talk about this is probably pretty deep league here uh, but this is Dearness Johnson for the Browns. He's only 1% rostered, so he's in every league almost. I think he's worth keeping an eye on, though. I mean, Kareem Hunt is allegedly on the trade block. Uh, they might trade him if they lose to the Bengals on Monday night, which I think is a funny uh, way to make roster decisions. We heard that from the Browns as well, or the Browns and the Broncos. Like, if they lose this upcoming game, they're going to trade players, which doesn't seem like the most long-term outlook to have. But uh, Dearness Johnson, like, if Kareem Hunt gets traded, all of a sudden he is second fiddle to Nick Chubb. Uh, Chubb, despite how great he's been, has played on 54% of the snaps this year. Kareem Hunt on 48%. We've seen Dearness Johnson mix in with Chubb at times when Kareem Hunt is hurt. So I, I do think the Browns would use Dearness. You're going to have Deshaun Watson coming back. Like I think this is one to stash in a lot of leagues here, Ryan. As Dearness Johnson, you're probably cutting him after no trade happens this weekend, but he could be a big winner and a big uh, top fab, you know, earner. Or you know, everyone's putting their bids on him on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard, I've told myself this so many times. If I lose this week, I'm going to start trading players away and acquiring picks in all my <laughs> dynasty leagues. Uh, but it, it, it's funny, you kind of keep telling yourself that week after week, right until the trade deadline. So I guess, I guess that's what these NFL teams are doing too. Right. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree on Dearness Johnson. He's a player that we have actually seen have big games in fantasy before when he has stepped into opportunities. So yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, there's is clearly some sort of committee role here behind Chubb that is up for grabs. And yeah, he instantly becomes one of the more valuable handcuffs as well. If hunt gets traded. So all about stashing him now. Yep. All right. And then uh, we tried to come up with some receiver names here. Uh, they are not as um, exciting as Kyron Williams and Dearness Johnson. If that tells you like what the landscape looks like here, but uh, I came up with a couple here, Ryan. Uh, let me know if any really stand out. I, I think Clay's Chapel, 59% rostered. He could be intriguing if he goes to one of these teams with a good quarterback that really needs a receiver. Um, we got Van Jefferson, 13%. He's a little bit of a uh, return from IR stash candidate, but if they don't trade for anyone for the Rams, I think Jefferson could have a good role. And then real deep leagues, KJ Hamler, there's been some trade talks with Denver and Nelson Aguilar. Supposedly teams are calling about Aguilar. So do any of these receivers actually have any upside or is this like super deep league dynasty stuff here? 
Aguilar does not. Uh, just no reason yeah. to even worry or think about him. Uh, and also, the Patriots always say that teams are calling. Teams are right. calling about Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, man. we we would hear this about Nikhil Harry every year for the last three years or so, and that then it actually happened. Hey, he did he did eventually get traded in the offseason. It fi- it finally happened. Uh, but no, not, I don't think any of these names are all that intriguing by themselves. Like if Claypool gets moved, I'm pretty excited for George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth for the rest of the season. That can clear can just make that offense consolidate even more, which would be very nice. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like it, KJ Hamler, just I I can't get there. The, if you, I'd have been excited maybe two years ago, but I I can't right now. Uh, Van Jefferson, we've at least seen command targets before. So, yeah, if there if there's not if the Rams don't make a trade uh, to add a different receiver, then yeah, Jefferson's I think can outplay Allen Robinson at this point. So that that's pretty much all we need out of him. Yeah, that's my thought on on Jefferson is just that uh, maybe Allen Robinson really is washed up, and they're just waiting for somebody to take over for him. So uh, I know the Odell Beckham rumors are always out there, but I, he is still. It's a second ACL tear. Even when he does come back, I think it's going to be a process getting him back on the field. So, yeah, I, I kind of like Jefferson. We'll see if he can take a role from Allen Robinson. He's had a role as a third receiver anyway. Maybe I am just living in the past here, though, with this Rams offense and trying to make value out of these players when – I don't know. They might just not be good, Ryan. I, I think maybe I just need to face the facts here with the Rams. I do have Matt Stafford ranked down at, like, QB 18 or QB 19 this week. So, yeah, it's – it, the time might have passed for Rams fast catchers. Okay. Well, that kind of wraps up some of the players we're looking at uh, with the trade deadline approaching. I wouldn't expect any massive trades here, like even Kareem Hunt getting traded. I'm not sure who is going to go out and get him and where a good landing spot is. So these are more deep dynasty league uh, kind of things, but it gets you thinking maybe you can make some moves ahead of the deadline. So uh, let's just get into the sit start stuff. As as always, our sit start teams writing up the articles as we speak, they're going to go a lot more in depth than we are, but we're going to start on running backs. Ryan, um, why don't you just walk through this? Let me know what backfields you want to check in on from everything you missed over the past week. Yeah, there are a lot of backfields that have suddenly gone through a lot of changes just with injuries and trades and everything that's happened. So I think my first question, we're, we're going to start as boring and gross as possible. Uh, talk to me about Carolina. Um, I, I'm just curious, like kind of what has the split between Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard looked like? Do you think either of them hold weekly fantasy value? Yeah, Carolina is a difficult one. Uh, they they somehow beat the Buccaneers while you were away, which that's a whole nother story. So we got a one game sample here where they won 21 to three. I don't know how many weeks we're going to have that. So that's like the big caveat here from everything I'm going to say. But first week without Christian McCaffrey, Deontay Foreman, 54% of the snaps, 10% target share, 56% rush share. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, 46% snap share, 14% target share, 33% rush share. Uh, Something I've been talking about a lot recently, um, they only had 22 passing attempts, so maybe we shouldn't read into those target shares a whole lot because that amounts to like two and three targets. But um, anyway, uh, Chuba Hubbard scored the touchdown from 17 yards out. That was the only red zone carry for either. Hubbard actually was playing third downs and out-snapped Foreman until uh, Hubbard rolled his ankle in the fourth quarter. So 
I don't, it, it, the numbers look deceiving that Deontay Foreman was the lead back, but it, it kind of wasn't that way until the injury. Uh, Carolina's downplaying Chuba Hubbard's injury, but he also did not practice Wednesday. So it's kind of a gross backfield, a gross team. I, I think just a banged up Hubbard is enough for me to clearly prefer Foreman here. You know, it's like, I don't want to take the injured player on the Panthers. So at least give me the healthy Foreman. Uh, Foreman kind of made his day on like a 60 yarder. So um, that's good. He showed a little burst, but also his, his stats are a little inflated. But I mean, they're playing against the Falcons um, on the road. Like, I don't think the Falcons are going to run away with this game. I think both teams will be able to kind of run their offense here. So it's not the worst spot in the world if you need to start Foreman. I've got him like RB27, and it's kind of dependent on what happens with Chuba Hubbard here. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Foreman's an RB2, um, back-end RB2. Hubbard could be flex consideration if uh, you don't have any receivers this week and he proves to be healthy. But it, it's kind of a weird one-week sample, and I'm not sure – it's going to continue like this for most of the weeks of the season. That's so frustrating when you identify like a, a usage trend that is kind of beyond the box score. You're like, oh, okay, like Hubbard was clearly preferred on third downs. Like he was playing more before he exited the game. Seems like he would be the option, but yeah, but it doesn't matter because yeah, as you said, you don't want to play the guy that is playing hurt. Absolutely not. So yeah, yeah I, not much to add there. I, I guess this is just so gross to me. Um, yeah. But hey, PJ Walker. Yeah, I, it's like that, that's really all I have to contribute. Uh, this is just an insane season. I, I would just say I would not expect uh, Hubbard to go nine for 63 on the ground and Foreman to go 15 for 118 on the ground. I I would think this is a one game fluke here, but we will see. I think they both deserve a spot on the roster. It's just uh when are we going to be able to start them? And this would be the week against Atlanta. All right. Fair enough. Moving on to the Jets who, yeah, as we talked about up top, it's just the Brees Hall injury. I think I took the hardest of any injuries so far this year that I can think of off the top of my head. At least I might just be a prisoner to the moment, but yeah, that, that one was pretty rough. Um, but now that the Jets have gone out and acquired James Robinson for a, a conditional sixth rounder, the ex- extremely uh, j- just showing so much confidence there in the player they traded for with the, with that type of return. Uh, talk to, talk to me. What do you think is going to happen here? Is, is Robinson going to come in and take volume away from Michael Carter and make neither startable? Where where do we lean here? Yeah, I would put my bets on Michael Carter personally. Uh, we'll start out with Robinson. Uh, Robert Salas claimed they would take it slow with Robinson, so we may not see a ton of Robinson this week. Um, also kind of confirmed they called up for the practice squad, uh, Zonovan Knight. I had to double-check that first name about five times to make sure I got that right. But undrafted free agent, they called him up from the practice squad. So that would kind of imply that James Robinson isn't going to see a big workload Uh, He's also had a bit of a knee injury, like he's been playing through it, but didn't play much last week. So I would expect not a lot from Robinson this week. I think we're safe to fire up Michael Carter. Like if you take away this trade, I mean, Michael Carter's in a great spot. This team's running the ball a bunch. We know he can, we know he can catch the ball. Um, They're winning. Their defense is playing well. So I've got him RB 21 this week. I I actually have him ahead of Najee Harris. Uh, That's probably a whole other discussion, but I feel pretty confident in Michael Carter this week. Um, it, it gets a little sketchy going forward, but I mean, after the injury last week to Brees Hall, Michael Carter played 43 snaps, Ty Johnson played 10 snaps. So 
I would not expect much out of Ty Johnson. He is around, but they clearly wanted somebody else to supplement this backfield. So I would expect it to be Carter and Robinson eventually. Carter, I think, can take the lead here. Um, the 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 short term outlook isn't ideal. Uh, it's it's home against New England this week, um, home against Buffalo the week after. Then you got a bye week, and then you're at New England. Like that's kind of a rough four weeks here, but it gets a little easier down the stretch. Actually, the fancy playoffs are pretty nice. So I don't know. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic with Michael Carter. I do think at the end of the day, though, if Zach Wilson doesn't get this offense moving more, it's probably not going to amount to a lot of fancy scoring. Yeah, I'll say that if Carter, especially if he isn't productive in the next week or two, I I think he's a massive buy um, because, look, ultimately, James Robinson is an undrafted free agent coming off of a horrific injury where he hasn't looked nearly as effective as he did before being offloaded by his original team for an extremely late pick. Uh, in favor of them making a different player their bell cow. So yeah. I I just don't see a scenario where James Robinson becomes that involved. Like, I, And I, I think Michael Carter is good, has a lot of bursts. And yeah, if I James Robinson is just a name where in fantasy circles, people are going to weigh him much more heavily than maybe in real NFL circles. Yeah. Um, so, I say that, but then again, I'm, if if I'm the Jets, I still don't understand this move. I, I guess who cares for a sixth rounder? But like, yeah. is, is there that big of a difference between James Robinson and Ty Johnson? Like, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know why you have a depth chart, um, you know, with players like Ty Johnson on it. If you're gonna go out and get James Robinson, but I don't know. He has shown a little bit of burst this year. I mean, he had a couple long runs, so I maybe he has something left in the tank. But yeah, I'm on Carter going forward. I, I'm kind of starting to wonder if RB21 is too high just because Pats are like eighth fewest fantasy points allowed to running backs. They they have been good against the run, but the, the options are just kind of gross in the 20s. So I, I feel like it's worth taking a shot on Carter this week and just seeing, hey, maybe we get like a 70% snap share out of him and some receptions, and uh, that's going to get him easily into the top 20 if he gets that. Yeah, it's the passing game work I'm interested in. And may, who knows, maybe this will inspire the Jets to start throwing the ball a little bit more. Would be would be nice yep. for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore if he still exists. Yep. All right. Let's speaking of James Robinson and the team that traded him away, let's move over to Jacksonville. Is Travis Etienne just an RB1 the rest of the way? I I wanna say that and just if I were ranking running backs, I would just want to post him up there and be done with it. Um, but it could we see anybody else in this Jacksonville backfield start to get more involved? Or do, do you think that we're I'm overthinking this and that it's just Etienne? Uh, I'm all on board Etienne. I am hedging this week, though, because they play Denver and we have seen Denver just make every game they have played in miserable. Uh, so I have him like RB19. It's probably a little too low, but I mean, I do feel good about the names ahead of him. Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert. So I don't know. He's, he's definitely in that that mid-range RB2 range. But um, yeah, I feel really good about Travis Etienne going forward. Doug Peterson said that we're not going to see anything different from Etienne. Um, and he implied that that meant they wanted to keep him healthy. I'm not exactly sure what he meant there, though, because he had an 80% snap rate last week. Uh, Before that, his highest single-game snap rate was 53%. So I'm not sure if he means nothing different from last week when it was 80% or the 53% rate, but I would be a little shocked if Jamichael Hasty gets 47% of the snaps. So 
I would hope we can pencil in ETN for what, 60 to 80%, somewhere in that range. And I think that's probably more than enough. Uh, he's just looked really good. He's looked explosive. And like we've talked about, he's looked really good as a rusher. And that's kind of surprised me. So I think there's more upside for ETN. I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, Doug Peterson mentioned Jamichael Hasty as the one who would get more carries. So he seems to be ahead of Snoop Connor. Uh, the rookie who we haven't really seen much of since preseason. I would keep an eye on Connor because Hasty's like a third down back and Connor's a bit more like James Robinson. So I wonder if they want a little bit of that like goal line type back here. But for now, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a ton of ETN, uh, decent amount of Jamichael Hasty. Like, I don't think you could play Hasty in anything but a real deep league, especially against Denver, but maybe against some good matchups coming up. Uh, they can kind of form a one two punch. But yeah, but I, I, I Long way of saying ETN is is an RB1 after this week. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that we're sitting here like try, trying to decode the vague Doug Peterson quote of whether, like, does he mean the 80, does he mean the same as 80% or the same as 53% like that yeah. when he clearly did not put any thought whatsoever into that statement like that, that means absolutely nothing, but that- this is what it's come to. Like we have these offenses like the Falcons and the bears who never pass it. And it's like, there's no way to ever project an increase in passing unless we can like read through the coach speak. You know what I mean? It's like, man, are they going to throw 30 times this game? Let's read the press conferences. So that's just across the league. It, we just need these coaches to tell us how they're going to run these offenses and really make our lives a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, the coaches could tell us how they're going to run the offenses. They could tell us who the good players are. They could tell <laughs> us who's going to get tart. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I'm liking this world that you're painting, Eric, honestly, it would make, yeah, it would make our jobs a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to the next backfield that we can't stop talking about this year um, <laughs> and, and last year and seemingly forever, uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, what's going on with this three headed monster that it seems that we've stumbled into. Uh, yeah. I, I feel so bad for my former self and all my justice Hill optimism. <laughs> yeah. This is like right back to 2021 when it was Latavius Murray and uh, man, I can't even remember Devonte Freeman. And it was, it was pretty bad last year, three-way split. And it looks like we're right back there. Uh, last week, Gus Edwards, first week back, 35% snap share, 6% target share, 36% rush share. So they used him a lot when he was on the field. Justice Hill, 31% snap share, no targets, uh, not used a whole lot on the ground. Kenyon Drake was the third most used, 27% snap share. They did give him some more carries, though. So it was Gus Edwards' backfield. He scored two touchdowns. I will say he had ten, uh, two carries inside the 10-yard line, and he scored on both. So that's uh, pretty solid efficiency there from Edwards. I don't know if we always are going to expect, but I'm a little worried about Edwards. It's his, his first game back from the ACL injury. And he's already quest questionable this week, limited practices. I, I know it's a short week, Thursday night game, but, you know, he's had a whole lot of time to recover from this injury. I would have hoped to have seen a full practice or two, but I don't know, Ryan, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe on a short week, we're not worried about what his practice report is, but I'm just kind of worried Edwards is going to end up right back like J.K. Dobbins and like he's going to be missing time here soon. Yeah, I mean, that's the worry, right? Like it, it's obvious you would hope like maybe the Ravens have learned from the JK Dobbins experience that you you can't rush these guys back from these complex knee injuries but yeah I I mean I I guess the only thing I would say is with Edwards it feels like the only way for him to go is up as long as he stays healthy like he yeah. you would think that if 
this was Edwards limited, then maybe he'll have a much more usable role for fantasy moving forward if he can stay on the field. Uh, but yeah, the the others like can can we just drop Justice Hill and Kenyon Drake and get like kind of <laughs> forget about the fab we spent on them? Yeah, I would. I mean, Drake or Drake's kind of been fading anyway. Justice Hill's kind of a third down back, but it's not much of a role for the Ravens. So yeah, it's pretty much Edwards or bust here. We at least know he's going to get red zone work. He's going to score some touchdowns. So that's something worth chasing here. So yeah, Edwards, I'd, I'd cut the rest of them. All right, let's move over to a backfield. I'm actually excited to talk about uh, and it, it happened in a game that I actually did watch this weekend, or at least a pretty good amount of it. Uh, yeah. While, while I, I was in between getting off of airplanes and driving home while streaming it on my phone. But yeah, I, I caught what I needed to. Yeah. Is Khalil Herbert happening, Eric? <laughs> I, I hope so. I'm afraid I'm going to throw some cold water on it. But I mean, they had the quotes, you know, from the coaching staff saying they're going to continue to increase his workload. So I don't know how much we read into that, but David Montgomery snap share dipped to 56% last week. Um, he had a 33% rush there and no targets. Khalil Herbert was at a 41% snap share. So he's, he's coming for Montgomery, a 27% rush share and a 10% target share. Again, that's just two targets. So uh, the, <laughs> these target shares are hilarious on some of these offenses, but um, yeah, Herbert sure looks better than Montgomery. I would say that like just the week before Montgomery was at 78% of the snaps. I think that was one of his higher snap shares of the season. So it hasn't been like a linear like progression here of Herbert taking over, but they're certainly going to get him involved. He looks more explosive than Montgomery, just the matchup this week. I mean, they're playing Dallas. They've allowed just two touchdowns to opposing running backs, third fewest points to the position. I, unfortunately, I think Herbert coming on like this just makes them both uh, players you would like to bench this week. I mean, I've got David Montgomery, RB25. Like, obviously, a ton of teams out there are going to have to play him. I do think that he'll give you around 10 PPR points. He, he's not a bad play, but he comes pretty far down my ranks. And Herbert, I got at 36. Like, I just – I think he's a desperation play just because of this matchup. So, uh, I, I kind of wrote in our rankings article this week that I do think David Montgomery is a sell candidate. Um, if opposing managers just look at his box score – it looks pretty much the same as always last week. Um, so I, I think if you were looking to get out, this is your chance on David Montgomery while they see that touchdown from last week and the what 12 carries or whatever. Um, but I don't know. It's it's we've seen these these teams stick with players like David Montgomery for so long that I wouldn't be surprised to see him back up in the 70% snap share. But it did seem like this offense like underwent a shift last week and something changed. So that's the hope for Herbert here. Yeah, my you read my mind. My next point was going to be that we, there is no way that Khalil Herbert and Tony Pollard are going to both happen on the <laughs> same week in the same game. Like we that that would break Twitter if it did. Like I I, I don't even know how I would like continue on from there. Like man, I'm I'm gonna have to watch Bears Cowboys this week. <laughs> I I I know it's gonna be the only game in the afternoon slate that that is that is on broadcast television available. So since it's the Cowboys, it's, you know, yeah. uh, America's team, you got to make sure that they're, they're on every TV in America. So <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I agree with your read on the situation this week though. Um, yeah. You, you'd like to sit them, but it Montgomery, you might have to play. Uh, it, we are getting Tony Pollard RB one season though. If, if no. Zeke doesn't play, which feels likely right now. I mean, even just an injury against the Bears, like I, I think even just Zeke a little bit limited, um, it might be Tony Pollard season. So 
Like I just kind of parked him in RB12 for now. I still have Zeke in there like he's playing at like RB19. I mean, I think they're both probably top 20 running backs at this point. Zeke would be a little scarier with the injury. We'll see how it turns out. But um, it's still early in the week. We've seen Zeke play through this stuff before. But yeah, I, I think regardless, you can lock in Pollard as a, an RB1 this week. Would be an incredible troll if the <laughs> if the news story on Wednesday night is that Zeke's unlikely to play and then he's suiting up like that. That kind of that kind of feels correct, actually. I don't I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a way to put money on that or in any in any of these betting markets, but I I might be interested in that depending on the odds. Yeah, and it also seems like Khalil Herbert is destined to fully take over that uh, the next Tony Pollard uh, thing on Twitter. You know, where it's just like everyone pounding the table they should get more carries and he's just efficient on his 12 touches um, I, I we could be headed there ryan this is we we lose tony pollard but we gain a new tony pollard we do it's it is the circle of life um yeah <laughs> i i like how this is shaping up right now yeah otherwise though just big picture on the position i i wrote in my article uh raheem mostert is my rb 15 this week so that's um that's how i'm feeling about running back ryan it's it's against Detroit, so it's a great matchup, and he has been seeing a lot of snaps, but I still do not like my life when Raheem Mostert is RB15, so um, we can just take one last time to cry over our Chase Edmonds shares, I think. Oh, God, yeah. I've, I've <laughs> like put Chase Edmonds so out of my mind, but that he was like universally being touted in the industry, though. Like I, There, there are very few people I can think of that were anti-Chase Edmonds, and good, good for those people, but yeah, it it felt like everybody kind of agreed on him. We we were told that he fit the scheme, Brian. Like I, I am not a running scheme guy. I don't, I'm no expert here, but I have multiple people told us he fits this scheme. So I just, uh, the same people who were hyping up Allen Robinson. I, I want to get all these people in the same room and talk to him this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll have be a nice little support group. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure there won't, won't be any hurt words exchanged in that room. All right. Any last questions on running back this week or uh, we ready to move on here? I think we can move on to wide receiver. Um, So I'm just wheeling out the guy that I haven't been able to shut up about for two weeks. Wondell Robinson is my wide receiver 24 going into this week against the Seattle Seahawks. Since returning from his injury, he has posted a 30% targets per route run. Last week, he had 78% route participation and eight targets. That was good enough to rank him 34th at the position in oppo for the week. So I'm being a little bullish, still a little bit out ahead on Wandale Robinson, uh, ranking him higher than his oppo share would suggest. But I'm okay with being out in front on a young rookie wide receiver that was so insanely productive in college like Wandale Robinson was. Uh, the Giants still don't really have any other real options. Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay are still not practicing. Uh, and it would be cool if Wandale Robinson could continue increasing his snaps. I mean, he's got the slot role locked down at this point, but... If he can get in on two receiver sets over somebody named Marcus Johnson that, <laughs> that led the Giants in routes last week, that like that would be nice. I think that that would bring us to another level for his production. I don't know. I don't know if that's fair to expect, but I yeah, I'm happy and excited to plug Wandale into pretty much any lineup this week. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the slot role. The Seahawks defense has actually been good against fantasy wide receivers. I'm not sure how that's possible, but 
Uh, they've given up the 10th most points uh, to slot wide receivers. So I, I think that does fit. They've been really good against exterior wide receivers, but slot receivers has been how you how you take advantage of them. So that's nice for Wandale. Um, using uh, the 33rdteam.com, if anyone's curious out there, they've got a really cool uh, tool for some splits here. So, um, but anyway, yeah, they're, they're giving up a lot of points to the slot position. So I like this call. And again, Wandale is one of those players where the coaching staff just keeps talking him up. And I think we do have to listen to that at some point, especially when the rest of the receiving core is so bad. Yeah. I only other note on Wandale is I, I, when you Google his name right now, you get like week eight waiver wire articles about him being the top claim. And I'm, I'm like, his what I, I hate being this guy that's <laughs> like, Oh, I've rostered that guy since week one or since I drafted him in the, in the 10th round, he's been on my roster ever since, like not, not in my league, but I, yeah. What, what are these leagues where Wandale Robinson's available? He's only 40% rostered in Yahoo apparently. I don't know. My home league's the same. I picked up Rondale Moore today on waivers. I was like, holy cow, Rondale Moore was available? Like, that's what I'm dealing with in my leagues. I'm using fab on Rondale Moore. So, yeah, I don't know where uh, Wandale Robinson's available, but I'd like to play in those leagues too. Yeah, I, I left Rondale off the show sheet for once, but I just <laughs> hit him playing the outside is just not something that works. Like, I, Cliff Kingsbury, what what are you doing to us? Uh, it's It's awful. All right. Is that enough? I think that's enough Wandale Robinson talk. Uh, just keep starting Wandale Robinson. Do it every week. Um, and actually, yeah, with bye weeks and stuff, you probably need to. So get him in your lineups. Um, all right. We got another frequent guest of the show here, Ryan. Zay Jones. You want to talk more about Zay Jones. So let's go. I just, I cannot stop. <laughs> it's like I, I really try to find different guys to talk about every week, but I – my brain just keeps coming back to Zay Jones. Um, he has eight or more targets in four out of the six games he's played this year. He's 21st in oppo per game over his last three, yet he hasn't topped 11 PPR fantasy points in that stretch. Very, very curious. Um, he's underperforming his opportunity by 5.6 fantasy points per game during that split. This is Deontay Johnson level in efficiency. It, it can't continue right like i would say the same about deontay johnson i guess bundle both of them into this conversation but it, it's like six games or three games it's, it's still not a big sample like the, these players should be scoring more and will eventually if their opportunity stays at what it is um so I, i'm just gonna keep stubbornly ranking zay jones above consensus i have him down at wide receiver 34 against the broncos this week fairly tough matchup um i mean he's it, this is like the most london game that i can think of <laughs> is jaguars broncos right now so yeah. can't, can't wait to wake up for that one oh, man. Uh, but it's the the thing is like Zay Jones is the type of player that I, I've just been playing 30% of every single week in DraftKings. He's been in so many of my lineups because he's he costs like 4K or something ridiculous every single week. Yep. And I, I know this is the week now that he's off the main slate that he will go off and <laughs> that for me for the rest of the year. Showdown. Wake up early for that showdown slate. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, so – Last week against the Giants, that was a tough matchup. They don't give up a lot of points to fantasy wide receivers. Ten targets, four catches, 54 yards. Uh, had a carry for 14. So he, 
He was wide receiver 37 in PPR last week with 11 points without a touchdown against another tough defense. So I, I don't think ranking him wide receiver 34 is bad at all. I mean, ECR has him at wide receiver 49. I think that's people just seeing the name Zay Jones and ranking him low, but um, he's been better than that this year. So I agree. He's, he's flex range. Uh, I would say that Deontay Johnson is probably actually talented, although his a dot is still crazy low, even without Roethlisberger. So that's another sto- story, but um. I'd say Deontay Johnson is better than say Jones, but yeah, I think that is a, a, a valid comparison. Yeah, I I agree. Deontay Johnson's better than Zay Jones. We can we can agree and meet our minds on these things at least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I just I feel the same way about them, and I have I have a lot more Zay Jones because he he's somebody I picked up in a lot of different places, and it who is shockingly still available in a lot of places. Um, and it, yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Maybe as you said, he's. Seems to be pretty low on the expert consensus and has been for the last month, basically. And that that's just sort of what has triggered me into this week after week. I keep taking the bait. Yeah, no, he is ranked too low. So, okay, let's get on to a fun one here. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he is your wide receiver 44 against the Browns this week. So um, what are you thinking about Boyd? Where are you at? Are you buying this recent hot streak? I'm kind of not. So... Boyd caught eight of his nine targets, went for 155 yards and a touchdown this past week. It is actually his second game this season over 100 yards, uh, but he this it was his first time going over seven targets. Boyd's opportunity just hasn't been all that exciting this year. He's 53rd at the position in oppo per game in the last month. Even last week in that big blow-up performance in this big ceiling spike game, he was only 18th in oppo per game. Like, obviously, he outperformed that by quite a bit, and that will happen when you're on the Bengals and Joe Burrow's throwing to you at least occasionally. But I, I'm just not really buying this. And I, the reason I put him on the show sheet, Eric, is you, you sounded very, very optimistic about him on the What We Saw podcast. So. I'm just curious if you have an, a more in-depth take here or like a reason to think that his role has changed in some way, or is this just general optimism about the passing volume overall for the Bengals? Yeah. I mean, I probably was riding the high of, uh, you know, 350 Joe Burrow passing yards in the first half last week or whatever it was. Um, I, I mean, I do think it coincides with offense changing. And they really have been going to him. Even that six for 66 on six targets in week six against the Saints. I know that doesn't look great, but a lot of that was in the first half. And then they kind of got away from him. But he was really lighting it up in the first half of that game. I, yeah, I don't think 30 fantasy points wide receiver to finish. I'm not sure that we're looking at that very often. The oppo is probably pointing out that he's not going to get a ton of red zone work, which is valid. I mean, that's going to go to Jamar Chase. That's going to go to Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, even probably Hayden Hurst to some extent. There's a lot of competition there. Burrow's been running them in. So yeah, I think probably the oppo is a good pushback just as far as touchdown potential. Um, PPR leagues, I do think we went a long stretch as a last year and this year where it was like he just disappeared from games. And I think we've survived that. So I think PPR leagues, he's a, a dependable wide receiver three with upside. I'm not sure how high we can really get him in the weekly rankings, but that's kind of where I'm at. I would have him higher than 44, I would say. I think that's, yeah, 44. I'd have him higher than that. Um, I would have him higher than Zay Jones, but um, maybe maybe I'm crazy. But I, I'm just kind of at the point of the season where if there's an offense that is cooking, um, I just want players in that offense. So that's, that's part of it with Boyd. I'm just 
tired of watching some of these offenses. Just give me the third option on good offenses, and I'll take my chance. So I, Boyd's a good player. Obviously, this is going to swing around, and Higgins is going to get involved again, and it's not going to be like this all year. But I do think there's some floor now and a little bit of upside for Boyd. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, when when I finished my rankings and was kind of setting my tiers, I saw Tyler Boyd's name and made sure to get him as like the last guy into the solid start tier. Um, yeah. Because, I, yeah, I mean, realistically, I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and Zay Jones. Like you, I, by my normal process, like you could even just lean towards, well, the Bengals are implied way more points than the Jaguars are this week. So yeah maybe that that is the way to go uh yeah i i could buy needing to at least shrink the gap between them in the rankings but it yeah i mean it wide receiver like 30 through 50 all feels very very similar yeah um, and i will say cleveland seems to always play the bengals tough i i mean i know that their defense has been horrible this year but at cleveland on monday night like the Brown season is on the line here. So we'll see if they keep looking like they did against the Falcons and Saints defenses, which have been really getting lit on fire by a lot of people. So it, it may come down a little bit here. I, I would still take my chances. I mean, there's some players ahead of them. Like I'm, I'm done with any pass catcher in Atlanta. So you can, you can move Drake London down below them. Uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at with some of those guys, but I get the skepticism for sure. I, and I do think the red zone point is important to point out. Yeah, I uh, let's see. I have Drake London two spots ahead, but yeah, that I think that's an that's an easy player that I probably should get him over, like the the Drake Londons and the Garrett Wilsons, where I'm probably just anchored to their good performances and their encouraging usages from the first few games of the season. And yeah. while I I still think both of them are, or maybe not so much London, but Garrett Wilson is like a good buy candidate, I think. Um, especially if we're going to predict the Jets becoming more pass heavy uh, with a Brees Hall injury. Like there, there is clearly talent there. And if the opportunity swings the correct way, then it'll hit big. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, just from a weekly projection standpoint, I, yeah, I should probably get Tyler Boyd up above those guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to have the conversation now, but um, when you look at teams like the Falcons offense, the bears offense, even the Jets to some extent, like, I think all rational analysis would say that this is due regression. They cannot throw the ball this like 15 times a game all season. I guess we kind of saw it a little bit with the bears, but like rational analysis says you buy those players low that are talented. It's going to come around. And I just, I don't know if I can be rational with those teams anymore, Ryan. So I don't know what we do with the Atlanta passing game or the Chicago passing game or the jets passing game. I'm, I'm kind of throwing my hands up. I think I'm just benching them all for now. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if there is any anything rational to be had about any of those situations. Yeah, it's it's tough because I I mean those teams you just listed off are exceeding expectations right now. Like yeah. they, they are they're winning. Um, and it, I mean that it, that could go into like a whole conversation about the direction of the NFL as a whole. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty good about expected points added EPA like as a way to measure performance and the value of different types of plays in the NFL. And EPA is always going to tell you that pass attempts are generally better than running the ball in out outside of fairly specific situations. So it, yeah, it, it just makes me kind of turn my head sideways a little bit and wonder but we could just as easily be looking back on this season. We're not even halfway through yet. Like this stuff could 
regress back to normal that even like league-wide scoring could get more up to where we would expect it and we could just kind of laugh at this as like a small sample size thing where we thought the sky was falling on the nfl like as a passing league but or or it could go the other way or or teams could start copying which is what nfl teams do it's true so yeah yeah long long ramble but it's yeah, hope, please throw more, Arthur Smith. A couple thoughts at risk of derailing us even further, but it kind of seems like these teams have realized that they don't have the quarterback to play the same game as the rest of the league, so they're not going to try to play that game, which I think maybe was what's going on in Atlanta at least. And then the other problem with these offenses is the coaches are never going to tell us they're making the change. Like they're not. It's not like Arthur Smith's going to say, well, I've been looking at it and we decided we're going to pass more for the rest of the season. So we're just left to guess like weekly, like, Ooh, they spiked a, a 20 pass attempts week. Does that mean it's going up now? And it's, I, I'm going to need, it's like Darnell Mooney. I, I've got him on a team. I'd love to be able to play him eventually, but like how many 10 target games in a row would I need before I could play Mooney? It's just, I, I think we're just all scarred by these offenses. Yeah. I just, you just <laughs> unwittingly did a preview to the rest of the show because I, I, <laughs> am about to start trying to pretend that Justin Fields' increased pass attempts are a trend. So all right, let's do this. Yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. All right. Yeah, one more receiver. Um man, apparently one of the other horrible offenses in the league. So let's talk about Alan Lazard and, and some Packers here. Yeah. So I picked out Lazard to talk about because he's someone the last couple of weeks I've been ranking below consensus and kind of getting owned on it. So I just wanted to talk through like the process of why I'm still not acquiescing to where he is in ECR, which is around wide receiver 21, 22, I believe. So I've got him at wide receiver 29 against the bills. Um, so before this week, I've been kind of down on in down on him just from a glance because I've been like, okay, like th- this is touchdown efficiency that he's making his days on. Like th- this is just touchdown luck. Like it, it's going to regress, but I took a bit of a closer look um, at the oppo and just the expected touchdowns model based on where he's receiving his targets on the field. Uh, and I was kind of surprised at what I found. So Lazard is 20th among wide receivers in Apple per game in the last month. And he has had 1.5 expected touchdowns or according to the model and has only scored two in that amount of time. So it, it's not like this is completely unsustainable touchdown efficiency um, based on the opportunity he's, he's been getting and the role he's been playing. So I am taking him seriously as like a start, but for this week, I might cop out caveat of why I'm still ranking him lower is I, I'm just not interested in playing anybody against the bills. Really? The Packers are currently implied 18 and a half points (laughs) against Buffalo. That's the fourth lowest of any team this week. It is the same amount as the Panthers are implied with either PJ Walker or Baker Mayfield under center. I just, it doesn't seem like a, big touchdown scoring environment yeah um Lazard also was sidelined to practice a shoulder injury he suffered last week I would expect they will do everything they can to get him on the field uh, because Rodgers has been throwing everyone under the bus this week we kind of are assuming it's Romeo Dobbs because he has not been producing on his targets so uh, they're trying to get Christian Watson back into things but like they need Lazard really bad so it's interesting to see if he does not play 
that is a rough situation for that Packers offense. It's probably rough regardless, but they really need Lazard. Yeah, if Lazard doesn't play, honestly, even if Lazard does play, would not be all that surprised to just kind of see like a white flag thrown and the Packers hand the ball off 35 times and just say we're we're much like the Bears, even though it's been working for them, we're we're just not going to play. We're just not going to play against this Bill secondary and pass rush. We're we're just going to hand the ball off and see what happens. Yeah. Packers have an up and down schedule, Buffalo, then Detroit, then Dallas, then Tennessee, then Philly, then Chicago. So it's kind of alternating weeks here. So maybe there are better times ahead for the Packers. I, they're rumored in trade talks for receivers, but we hear this every single year and they never do it. So I don't know who they would go out and get that would provide them a spark. So I'm really fascinated to see if they come out of the spiral. You, you think it's going to happen, but there aren't many signs here. So maybe we should just fade the Packers uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and even, like even this week, Aaron Rodgers is another household name quarterback that I have ranked below a bunch of streamers, and pro- probably should get him even lower um, ba- based on that implied total. So, let's move into some quarterback streamers now. Uh, just the guys <laughs> I would play over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, these names, these are some good names. They really are. I was <laughs> I was excited writing this up this week. I I was really happy. So we we are starting off with. Daniel Jones. Uh, I have him ranked as the QB 11 against Seattle. Uh, He's 63% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. So I guess not technically a streamer how we define it, but he was well below 50% before waivers ran. So good chance you got him. He is the QB nine in points per game on the season right now. Um, But I will give you guys just a little tip. If you hear somebody say a stat like that about the quarterback position, oh, they're they're QB whatever through this number of weeks. Right now, there's a 1.5 points per game difference from the QB7 to the QB15. If you go down to the QB22, it's like three points per game or something. Like they're just... It, there's no advantage at quarterback it, from, at least from a season long standpoint after the top few guys. So the, yep. we're, we're just playing matchups here, which has made streaming kind of fun. We, it feels like we're cycling in and out a lot of names, but I, yep. the reason that I am excited and having fun with Daniel Jones is he is fourth in rushing tab, rushing attempts among quarterbacks he finally has a real wide receiver to throw to in Wandale Robinson, as opposed to fake wide receivers like Marcus Johnson. And this game environment could be pretty decent. It, there's a 45 point over under that is sixth highest of any game this week. And the Seahawks, we've talked about them as a defense to target right now. They're the seventh best matchup for opposing quarterbacks in fantasy. So Pretty happy to fire up Daniel Jones over a, a lot of names this week. Tom Brady even. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 100 yards rushing last week. Uh, I can't get it out of my head that the, the moment I pick up and play Daniel Jones, he's going to get hurt. But I, I think we need to get over that. Uh, the rushing, he's he's doing the rushing that we wanted, you know, the Trey Lances and uh, the Justin Fields to do. So it's kind of wild to see Daniel Jones as our rushing quarterback. So here we are. Um, probably the, uh, the the biggest upside streamer at this point. So like you said, he, he's in a lot of leagues. He's rostered, but he's certainly out there in quite a few. So uh, scoop him up if you need him. Seattle, they've kind of turned it on a little bit lately on defense, but I still don't think that's a, a lights out unit. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think the upside even rest of season for Daniel Jones is pretty decent. Like that. Well, this is another offense that's not throwing the ball very much. That is kind of frustrating for us. But I, yeah. it's Brian Dayball. Like I, it's, I kind of trust him just at, as a play caller. Like it, it's pretty clear the reason they're not throwing is they just haven't had the personnel. And as I said, like with Wandale Robinson in the fold now, maybe that shifts some and we see a different level to this offense going forward. All right. Next up is Justin Fields. Um, he really bottomed out around when I had to stream him this year. Um, he's been slowly on the upswing ever since. You're about to tout him against this Dallas Cowboys defense, though. So I'm I'm intrigued here. You talking me into Justin Fields. I am about to tout him. So it, Fields has been pretty good for fantasy in the last three weeks. He's been the QB five per game over the last three. So that that's pretty good in that stretch. I think it's no coincidence that the bears have been pretty much at about league average, just in terms of plays per game. They're up at 62 in that period uh, versus they were down at 54.8 in the first four games. I, around that time I was making fun of them and saying that they they just aren't playing football. Like they're just not calling plays, not staining drives, definitely not throwing the ball, but I, I mean, Fields has been over 20 pass attempts for four straight games now. I love that the bar is 20 pass attempts. It gets <laughs> us excited, but that that is where we're at. Luckily, he is second at the position in rush attempts. That's what we really care about, obviously. Um, and yeah, as you said, Dallas is an intimidating matchup at first glance. So I have fields at QB 14. I would have loved to get him in the top 12, but just can't do it against a matchup like Dallas. They yeah. do rank first by a pretty good margin in pressure rate. Uh, but w- when I look at that, yes, Justin Fields is very sack prone. will probably get sacked quite a bit in this game, but if he's getting ran after by the pass rush, that means he could be outside the pocket more and that leads to more scrambles and to more rushing and to more fantasy points, at least potentially. So I was kind of trying to do this thing where I like cherry pick the defenses he's played well against and see where they measure up in terms of pressure rate. Uh, Couldn't really find a pattern that I actually felt good about, but He did have a solid game against the Commanders, who also have a pretty good pass rush. Uh, The the other two, like, good pass rushes he's faced were the Packers and the 49ers. 49ers were in that monsoon game, though that that was still – he still had, like, 14 fantasy points in that game and 11 rushing attempts. So maybe maybe there is – bit of a link there um didn't do anything against the packers really but yeah i i'm interested in fields and i i think especially after this week if the way he's playing keeps up then he could be like a legit every week fantasy starter yeah man i mean dallas like you said good defense Uh, they have given up the ninth most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks 140 yards rushing which i kind of wondered did they just play a bunch of scrambling quarterbacks Kind of like uh, they gave up nine carries for 79 yards to Daniel Jones, four for 26 to Joe Burrow. Uh, Jalen Hurts only nine for 27. So they did a good job against him. But, you know, Daniel Jones had some success on the ground. So, yeah, I don't know that this is um, a matchup that's going to keep him from running. So like 26 carries over the past two weeks, I think, for fields. It's it's really hard to look away from that. So once you get outside, probably QB what? I mean, you got Goff at QB 13. Like, I mean, once you get past 
Tom Brady at 12, and even Brady is kind of gross right now. So, yeah, it's not hard to make a case for Fields once you get outside of uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones at number 11. Yeah, if it feels <laughs> shockingly easy to start him over guys like Jimmy Garoppolo or Trevor Lawrence and the Stafford against San Francisco. Yeah, just so yeah, so so many quarterbacks that were very easy to push down the rankings this week. So it was pr- pretty cool with Justin Fields kind of staying up there. Yep. All right. Next up, uh, it does look like Andy Dalton has beaten out Jameis Winston for the starting job. I would. One of the few victory laps I can take this year is being down on Jameis Winston. So I'll take this one now, but Andy Dalton, the starter, maybe a streamer this week. Yeah. This, this one's going to be kind of quick. Cause I, I don't have <laughs> like a huge take on Dalton. I, I did originally write this in as I, whoever starts for the saints, because it, yeah. it's really not about the player. Um, and I, I mean, Dalton did not have, I mean, good fantasy performance last week, but not, not a great real life performance. Kind of shocked that the Saints are sticking with him after that. Um, <laughs> but th- it's really all about the matchup against Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders are giving up 25 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks in the last four weeks. And even all year, if you expand the sample out, they've just been by far the best matchup for QBs. And I kind of don't hate this game. It sneakily has a 49 and a half point over under. uh, And the Saints are implied 24, which is better than a lot of teams this week. That's better than the Bears or the Giants, actually, whose QBs I just touted as streamers. So the Saints are just one and a half point underdogs at home. I can can get behind it. Like this could be, I don't even know if it's a sneaky shootout if the over under is 49 and a half, but... I, yeah. it's yeah it's definitely worth considering i have dalton at qb20 i could probably get him up over guys like mariota or even aaron Rodgers. so he he's is there and available in a ton of leagues if you're desperate yeah i mean the raiders defense got uh davis mills to 300 yards passing last week so it's uh not a not a good defense defending the pass that's for sure so um yeah i'm not i can't push back too much on that Dalton has been putting up some points. So um, anyone else you want to talk about uh, QB streamers before we get out of this section? Yeah, I just want to say that before the Matt Ryan benching was announced, I was excited to tout Matt Ryan as a streamer just with how the just the the offense had been going much more pass heavy in recent weeks. Like the commanders are a pretty good matchup. The Colts were favored. It was all lining up very nicely. But then Matt Ryan gets benched. And I mean, we are left with Sam Ellinger, who is only 4,000 on DraftKings right now. If you are playing the main slate, that that's kind of interesting, right? Like he, yeah. I, he was a guy that ran a lot in college. I, I, I don't think Ellinger has a bunch of arm talent or anything, but it it's worth thinking about. Like I, I'm not starting him in any seasonal leagues, but I yeah. just wanted to mention Sam Ellinger kind of to test the waters. Maybe we'll return to him in a week or two. Um, just, you know, I feel like I'm talking the same way about Ellinger as I was Mariota before the season. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it'll be faster than I think that we take him seriously. Yeah. There are some big think pieces out there this week about how the Colts are making this change because scrambling quarterbacks bring efficiency and this is the future of football. And I was like, uh, 
don't know if Ellinger is the one that should bring up these topics, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. It, uh, I think probably is mainly the Matt Ryan was pretty bad and they're afraid he was going to get hurt, but um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see the Colts this week. If this was not a fantasy focused podcast, I think we'd spend a lot of time trying to figure out what in the world are the Colts doing, but luckily we don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing what I wish the Falcons would do and just be like, okay, we're like, we're clearly not going anywhere real this year. Like we're, we're going to put our young quarterback in and see what he can do and tank for a better draft position. Like that, that that's as much as Arthur Smith can get excited about beating bad teams by running the ball down their throats. Like that, that's probably what you should do. Like optimally as a, as a manager of an NFL roster, but who, yeah. Who am I to say? (laughs) I'm, I, I still am a little skeptical they're actually tanking, but we'll see what happens here. They're not that far out of things in that terrible division. So I, they might think that Ellinger's better. I, I really don't know. We, we will see. We'll see what kind of game plan they give him because if it's just, uh, you know, nine passes and lots of Taylor, then I don't know. Maybe they are tanking, but maybe they're just, like you said, they're turning into the Falcons. So this will be fun to watch going forward. All right. Yeah. Speaking of the Falcons, let's move on to the position that, is on the Falcons that we love talking about the most, but we'll probably spare the people for this podcast tight end, Eric, Uh, just give me the state of the tight end position since I missed the last week. I'm sure things have just dramatically improved since I've been gone. Right. Oh, you want the state of the position. I was going to spare you that. Uh, Yeah. This is in my rankings right up as well. So Travis Kelsey looks like a pure league winner at this point. I mean, 21 PPR points per game. Uh, he's on his bye this week, of course, so we don't even have Kelsey this week. Uh, tight end two is Mark Andrews at 16.5, which would be higher if he didn't give us a goose egg last week, but he still just did give all of his managers a goose egg last week. So that's uh, top two, 21 and 16 points per game. And um, by the time you get down to tight end 12, it's at 9.9 PPR points per game. It, it just craters. And it's just, it's brutal. I mean, TJ Hawkinson is the tight end three. Uh, here's his PPR points per game, 8, 6, 11, 40 two and nine. So it's like, we've got one, no, two double digit weeks out of the tight end three. Um, Taysom Hill is the tight end four on the year because of course he is David and Joku tight end eight. He's got a high ankle sprain. It's, it's a mess. So uh, that's a long way of saying um, this is a rough week. Uh, I, I actually wanted to lead it off with a question for one of my teams. Cause I'm selfish here, Ryan, but if you have David and Joku, he's got a high ankle sprain allegedly out two to five weeks. Um, he'll miss this week. They've got to buy next week. Deshaun Watson comes back eventually. Are you trying to stash in, in Joku? Because he, he sure looked like um, maybe a top four tight end. I, he was really trending upward. Like, is it worth stashing a tight end for three weeks to five weeks on an injury? So if it were any injury other than a high ankle sprain, I, it would be an immediate yes for me. Uh, like, especially if we're talking about a roster that is expected to make the playoffs like that, this could be paying off with a tight end. That's actually above replacement level, which is very rare as you just talked about, uh, right when you would need him. Uh, but yeah, with the high ankle sprain, it's, it's just tough. Like if players just so often come back too early and just aren't nearly as effective with them. So yeah. It's tough to say. I still think I would hold him if I can at all based on the roster space. Like it, it's not that hard to just only have one other roster spot for the tight end that you're starting every week. Um, even if it's a different guy every week, like we're 
every tight end's replacement level at this point. So yeah. I I think it's totally fine to hold him. Um, yeah. I'm trying to. We'll see. I still got to pick up a tight end for this week. So that, that gets us to, uh, it's a good segue, tight end streamers this week. There actually are some options because tight ends are so bad overall that these guys don't really look that much worse than the uh, the players on your opponent's roster. So um, I'm going to start off with Greg Dulcich, uh, Broncos rookie tight end, 41% rostered. I have him as my tight end 10 this week. It might be a bit optimistic, but he's played 60 to 70% of the snaps in each of his first two weeks. He had a 20% target share last week. Uh, that was six catches for 51 yards on nine targets. That was with uh, Brett Ripien under center. Like, I think Dolchik might just be good. Like, I, I think it's worth taking a shot on him. Just He just may be a really good tight end. And uh, even as a rookie, he's showing more than most rookie tight ends ever show right now. So like the Jaguars is the matchup. Um, they've been good against tight ends, but they faced a pretty poor group. So I don't know, Ryan, do you think I'm too high on tight end 10 or is it worth like maybe actually chasing a little bit of athleticism at the position and maybe maybe you get to start Dulcich all year? I don't think you're too high on him at all. I mean, we were hearing this drumbeat throughout training camp uh, before Dulcich got hurt. Like it, it makes a ton of sense to me. Like he steps in and is commanding targets and is making the previously established starter a healthy and active. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much else you can ask of him. So yeah. yeah, And Dulcich is probably, if I'm only having one roster spot dedicated to a tight end, I would absolutely love it to be Greg Dulcich because he, he is one of the few that I think has pretty good rest of season upside. Um, and it sounds like the Broncos are getting Russell Wilson back this week. Uh, he was working out on the plane for four <laughs> hours, apparently, and waking up his teammates, uh, according to KJ Hamler, at least. So that yep. I sounds like everything is back to normal and functioning very well for the Denver Broncos offense. So I, I don't know what you could be pessimistic about. <laughs> If any if any team needed a trip to London, it was not the Denver Broncos. I don't know what's going to come of this, but it's just what an insane situation. It was funny seeing that tweet from Hamler. Like, yep, that that did happen. That that, that really happened. Russell Wilson was training on the plane while we were trying to sleep. So, yeah, I I mean, you know, I've got Dulcich ranked ahead of Kyle Pitts this week, Ryan. I, this is the week Pitts blows up because I put him at tight end twelve. I just like I said with the Falcons, I just cannot do it right now. If I draft in teams, I drafted him. I'm probably still playing him, but I, I just, I just can't. I just can't in good faith rank him very high. So let's get on to the next streamer, Irv Smith Jr. I he he creeps above the threshold. He's at 54% rostered. I've never been a big defender of Irv Smith, but I've got him at tight end 14. He's playing about 63% of the snaps, just an 11 to 14% target share. Not great over the past three games, but. Uh, the two worst defenses by far against tight ends have been Arizona and Seattle. Like they're just way up there. Uh, so, I mean, they just gave up the Cardinals two touchdowns to Juwan Johnson last week. So I think it's worth throwing Irv Smith out there and, and seeing if you can kind of keep pouring it on against this Cardinals defense. Cause um, we know he's talented. We'd like to see a little higher snap share and target share, but I do think there's upside here. Yeah, I agree totally. I think he's a good play. Uh, the Vikings have the fourth highest implied total of any team on the slate this week. So, yeah, I you're chasing a touchdown like it obviously has just happened for Jawan Johnson. So, I yeah, I like the game environment. I, I don't hate the play at all. Yeah. And then Kate Otten, um, he's, he feels like the, the free square this week at tight end, uh, 13% rostered. He's my tight end 15. Uh, Cam Brate is out. Russell Gage is out. Julio Jones is a game time decision. Um, it just, 
he's going to get work. He played 81% of the snaps last week. Otten did 10% target share, which isn't great, but he's on the field. They don't have a lot of options right now. So um, I don't like the way Tampa Bay is playing. Um, I wish the target share was higher, but I still think Otten is a, a, a solid play this week. And again, kind of like Dulcich, like there is some upside here if he's just actually a good player. So I'll, I'll take my chances with him and see if you can keep playing him here for a few weeks. Yeah, surprisingly good rookie tight end class this year. Like we the, we were pretty down on it, I feel like. But it, yeah, we've had some guys emerge. Um, yeah, I mean, what what else can I say? All, all Kate Otten does is uh, get spot starts and then lead the position in routes run for tight end during a week. So yeah, yeah I just, just would love, love to get him in the lineup there. Yeah, and it's pretty wild that uh, good rookie production at tight end is that like 23 to 64 yards receiving over four straight weeks, but Hey, they're, they're throwing on the ball. So that's encouraging for a rookie tight end. So other than that, it's the normal names. I mean, Mike Kosicki, it's kind of hard to predict him week to week, but he's playing Detroit. So you'll take your chances there. And then Evan Ingram is actually getting a ton of work. He just doesn't really score touchdowns, but uh, I think he's kind of do some regression according to oppo. He plays against Denver though. So it's just a tough matchup, but there are plenty of options out there at tight end. And they're honestly not much better than, you know, uh, Dalton Schultz at tight end 11. So I, I think there's um, a lot of options for you. Yeah, I like the call on Gasicki. The Dolphins have a tw- are implied 27 and a half points. So that's higher than any team besides the Bills this week. So yeah, if if we are chasing touchdowns, then I, I think the Dolphins are a pretty good place to start. Yep. All right, let's go quickly through defensive streamers here, Ryan. Um, are there any that really stand out to you as like the premier streamer of the week? Uh, there's nothing that stands out particularly. I think there's just a lot of like fairly solid options this week. Um, and I mean, what that really means is there's a lot of really gross, low scoring games this week that we're, that we're, uh, teed up for, but I would say I like the cults. Uh, they're three point favorites against the commanders. The over under for that game is down to 39 and a half which is no, I, I see, I like say that that's gross, but that's not even close to the lowest we've seen this year, but <laughs> that I, I just like that game environment re- really for both sides for fantasy defenses. Yeah. There's a few out there. I mean, I'm kind of surprised uh, Tennessee's just up at 52% rostered, but they get the tech. Uh, yeah. The Texans um, it is on the road, but I think that's probably fine against the Texans. Um, a few, a few decent matchups. I don't know. None of them are really, like calling to me. I mean, it's like Atlanta home against Carolina. You know, it's it's a lot of stuff like that. Jacksonville home against Denver. It's like, do you really want to play Jacksonville? So, yeah, I think I'd, I mean, I, these are all defenses you could stream, but I, I think that, I think Titans and Colts kind of stand out for me. Yeah. I also don't hate the Bengals against the Browns. Like, it, yeah. it's a higher over under game at 47, but if the Bengals get out to a lead and Jacoby Brissett has a drop back, then that, that could be like a game script that is beneficial for a fantasy defense to get, get a couple picks, force a couple turnovers. So I, I wouldn't hate that play either. Um, and I, I will just say that every, that every team that we've named so far has under 22 points implied against them. So I, yeah, I, there's a lot of different directions you can go this week. Yep. And uh, Bengals do play the Panthers um, at home the next week before they're by. So you can probably get two weeks out of the Bengals if you want them. So that's not a bad pickup if you don't want to have to worry about it next week. So um, yeah, I, I, there should be plenty of options to stream the way the league is going this year because uh, scoring is down. We know that. So 
All right. I think that wraps it up pretty well, Ryan. I think we're all caught up here. Uh, we've, we know how all these running back situations are going to go. So uh, we won't have much to talk about Sunday night, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a very uneventful what we saw podcast. Um, honestly, of, of any what, what we saw podcast for me to miss this year, I'm kind of glad that it was this past one because I, I would have probably said a bunch of stuff and then would would after Monday night, I would have just been thinking like, man, I, I wish that had been on a different day because I, I would have ranted about the Patriots for 20 minutes. But I yeah, the I feel like the moments just passed. Like I, I don't want to make anybody listen to my insane thoughts about what we saw with Zappy and Mac Jones on Monday. Uh, from an outside perspective, I'm still kind of amazed that uh, Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappy is tearing the world apart. So I, I didn't think we'd be here. I, I, I'm not to start this conversation, but I'm just surprised that uh, everyone seems to want to move on from Mac Jones. He's going to start this week, but I, I thought he'd built up a little more goodwill than that, Ryan, but I, maybe he's rubbed people the wrong way. Who knows? I mean, it's like the saying goes, right? Like I, I'm going to totally butcher this, but like any civilization is six missed meals away from anarchy and any NFL fan base, especially if it's the new England Patriots fan base is like three wins from a backup quarterback away from anarchy. I mean, we see it with, we saw it with the Cowboys and Cooper rush earlier this year too. So it's at, at least we're not the only ones. Uh, that's incredible. I thought you were going to say every fan base's favorite player is the backup quarterback, but no, you went uh, civilization on us. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Much better. All right. I think that's a good uh, recap um, preview and sit start for week eight. Um, as always, make sure to check out QBList.com for the full write-up. Lots of good stuff on there. Our sit start uh, range outcomes tool, um, oppo report with just kind of projected or not projected, but looking back at the usage for these players and if they've outperformed or underperformed their usage. So lots of great stuff on there. Check it out. Uh, we will be back Sunday night with what we saw. And until then, um, enjoy some football.